Sunday Surefire Podcast. I'm your host, the Commish. Joining me today is my good friend, Ethan Weaver. Ethan, what's going on? Hey, Kamish, how's it going? I'm doing well. Had a nice weekend and have a few rookie drafts in the books. So life is good. Life is good up here in New England. We had a great, um, beautiful Mother's Day. The Boston Celtics came through for us in a game seven over the the lowly Philadelphia 76ers. Glad that uh, that team's out of our way. We're moving on to the conference finals. And so it's hopefully going to be a, a nice long playoff run for those guys, which is great. So things are things are looking up over here in New England, which is awesome. We um, got another quick hit and show here that we're going to get to. Last week, we dove into the quarterback position as well as the running back position for some NFL veterans that were considered winners and losers following the NFL draft. And really just as the NFL offseason as a whole is kind of taking shape with a lot of the player movement between free agency, of course, the draft, you know, players jumping back and forth. That's in the rear view mirror. So tonight we're just going to hit on the tight end and the wide receiver position. So a lot to get to in this episode here, and we'll, we'll dive right in right off the top. So we'll start with the wide receiver group. Ethan, give me your first wide receiver winner following the draft. My first wide receiver winner is Jamison Williams. Uh, obviously, we know he was just suspended for six games due to gambling at the team facility, which is uh, encouraged on this uh, podcast. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> so the reason why I think he's a winner, I, I think the, the Lions could have easily – uh, went into the draft and not necessarily replaced him fully, but added depth at that position because of his poor 2022 campaign, as well as his suspension. I mean, Jameson Williams gets suspended from uh, because he's gambling at the, at the uh, Lions facility. And then there were reports that he was posting on social media about him gambling on like UFC fights or something like that. So clearly he uh, wasn't, um, I don't know what wasn't re- reading the writing on the wall and, and he probably should uh, lay low from gambling for a little while after being suspended. So I just, I'm not sure um, I guess where his mindset is at this point. And I wasn't sure how the lions felt about him um, considering the, the, obviously the, the gambling issues, but um, the Lions had, I mean, picks 12, 18, 34, in which they they drafted Laporta, but they had 45, 68, 96, 152, and uh, 219, they finally drafted a receiver, Antoine Green. So they, they didn't even really address the position at all. So that just tells me Jameis Williams is going to come back. He's going to take that outside X role. He's going to be the field stretcher, and he's going to be part of uh, – of a great offense. So um, to me, after the draft, the Lions t- still believe in Jamison Williams. Um, and obviously, I mean, he's a, he's a guy that I really liked coming out. So I thought he was a big winner, just considering the fact that they didn't add the depth that um, they could have considering all their, all their draft picks. So I think Jamison Williams is a uh, probably a good um, by low candidate at this point. I, I do think, if you're looking just at analytics, analytically speaking, his 2022 campaign um, should kind of scare you just because he he didn't really hit any of the thresholds that rookie receivers kind of need to hit to um, give them a better pr- probability of actually being fantasy relevant um, into the future. But obviously that can be explained away a little bit um, due to his uh, injury and coming off the ACL. But um, one catch overall for 41 yards and a touchdown 
in six games played nine targets is not uh is not ideal but i do think he was a winner considering the lions did nothing to uh address the position yeah i definitely agree on that i'm a big jameson williams fan i it's odd to say that he's a winner because he's just got popped for a six game suspension but that's exactly how i feel about it as well particularly from the lens of a dynasty standpoint i know he didn't do much last season when he finally got on the field, but he didn't get back on the practice field until the end of November. And that's after not being at, you know, rookie camp, mini camp, training camp, playing in the preseason or at all the, for, the, for the first, I believe it was 12 weeks of the regular season. So you can kind of take all those like metrics and can kind of throw them out the door, at least for this one particular case, because he barely, he barely understood the offense. He's never really practiced in the NFL. And then he gets thrown in, in into the mix for a team who actually had playoff aspirations until the final day of the regular season. So they didn't really have a lot of time to bring him along later in the season. So if there's a dip to be purchased on a Jamison Williams in, in your dynasty leagues, do it and do it fast because six games in the lifespan of a 22 year old wide receiver is absolutely nothing. A definition of a, the drop of a, in a bucket for the lifespan of a dynasty wide receiver. So all in on Jamison Williams myself, I, I have some shares and I'm, I'm looking forward to him having a good season. Another guy I have some shares of, and I deem as a winner in this process, is Deontay Johnson of the Pittsburgh Steelers. 2022 can be described as nothing other than a massive disappointment for Johnson. He finished WR 39 and half point PPR despite playing in all 17 games. It's not like he was playing, you know, just a handful of games or anything like that to, for, to put up that, that finish. He actually didn't miss any contests, finished WR 39. And the main reason that he finishes as a WR4 was due to the fact that he didn't score the end. He didn't see the end zone one time at all during the season, which is kind of insane considering he saw a massive 147 targets, which was good for seventh in the league among wide receivers. Um, you know, of the top 17 targeted wide receivers, he was the only player not to finish as a WR2 or better. So there really is a direct correlation between targets and fantasy success in most cases. The, this, you know, Johnson was the de definition of the outlier. In this particular case. So the term positive TD regression gets tossed around the industry a ton in, in recent years. And I really only in on that when it comes to the, you know, the really extreme, extreme cases like we have here, you, you see 147 targets, like you're going to fall in the end zone more going forward. You know, it's going to, those things are going to kind of come back to where they're supposed to be regressed to the mean is, is the origin of the term in this case. So the team actually retained their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, who was under fire for most of last season. So he ends up sticking around, which I think is kind of quietly going to be a big win for Deontay. In Matt Canada's two years as offensive coordinator, Johnson's number five overall in targets among wide receivers. And the only guys ahead of him are the, are high-profile names like Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, and Stephon Diggs. So he really is the target funnel in this offense, and I think that that's going to continue. Uh, he didn't click with Kenny Pickett right away, but he saw at least seven targets in each of the team's final seven games to close the season. And all but one of those games was started by Kenny Pickett. So they did develop a little bit of chemistry as the season went on. And, you know, if you look at what the team did in the draft, they didn't add anything in the, in the receiver to the receiver room in the, in the draft or in free agency. Actually, the only thing that they did was they traded uh, for Allen Robinson. And what the trade was, they gave, uh, they gave up pick 234 for Allen Robinson and pick 251, like a seventh rounder wasn't enough to get Allen Robinson. They demanded, they're like, no, you have to give us a pick back. Like that tells you everything you know about A-Rob and how he's just done. Like this guy's dust. If you watched him play at all the last two seasons, you'd know this is just a familiar name and that's it at this point. So he's not going to, I don't think he's going to eat really much at all into Deontay Johnson or, um, or George Pickett's or Pickens uh, workload at all this season. And I think in 2023, we're going to look at uh, Deontay Johnson being the, 
the most targeted receiver in this room again. And even if he, he he bumps up a little bit, say he has even just five touchdowns with that big target target load, he would have finished as a WR2 last year. And I, I think if he can get that those metrics uh, this season, I think there's no reason he can't outperform his ADP to finish as a WR2 in 2023. So that's what I got on Deontay. Uh, what do you think on that? No, I agree with everything you said. Um, I think Deontay Johnson is a huge buy candidate for contending teams. Um, as you put, I, I I don't see anybody else leading this team in targets other than him. Um, the the only the only way, um, the only addition with in Allen Robinson, the only way that hurts him is if Allen Robinson reverts back to his form when he uh like what three four years ago and as you said i don't really see that happening i mean i hope i kind of hope it does <laughs> but um I-, I just think deontay uh johnson is going to be the target funnel of this offense i mean who knows if um pickens is going to take that step forward um we'll see we'll see if he does get that i mean i'm assuming he's going to get some positive td uh regression to the mean just just to the fact that like like you said he scored zero touchdowns um, but they did draft Darnell Washington, who should be a, a decent red zone threat. They have uh, uh, Firemuth, uh, and they they have Pickens, who's a big body near the uh, near the goal, near the end zone. And they also obviously obviously have the big bruising back in Najee Harris. So he's clearly not going to be the number one option near the goal line. But I mean, in full point PPR leagues, I don't think there's a there's a cheaper high end wide receiver two you can buy right now than uh, Deontay Johnson. So I do like that call considering they didn't address the position at all in the draft. Um, they, they added some uh, help on the O-line with Darnell Washington. And I believe they, they made some other picks um, uh, trying to um, uh, shore up that offensive line. So um, Kenny Pickett, um, we saw a steady, steady improvement down, down the stretch. Um, I think he is definitely in a position to succeed. And I think the offense is going to go through Deontay Johnson. So I do like that call. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you, I think you said it best when you said there's not a cheaper target funnel to be purchased in Dynasty right now, especially for a guy at his age. You know, he's only 27 this season, so he's starting to get into his late 20s. But there's he's can he in that age range he can hang around in his prime for a few more seasons. So if you can make that investment in a guy like him now, I'd do it before we start getting training camp reports coming out where you know guys. You know, you know how those camp reports go. Like guys look good in camp, and all of a sudden, you know, people are there's a bidding war, especially for a guy like Johnson, who has been productive in the past with the top 10 finish on his resume. So if you can buy Deontay, do it now. But let's move over to guys that you uh, you want to get out on, or at least that you think we're not winners in this process. Let's go to the loser category among wide receivers. What do you have for us there? I have, uh, unfortunately, I have Rashad Bateman. Um, I really like Bateman coming out um, of Minnesota. And he just the best of the best ability is availability, and he just hasn't been available for the Baltimore Ravens the last couple of seasons. I mean, 20, 2021, he, he played in twelve games. He had forty six catches on sixty seven targets and a touchdown. Um, I guess which isn't which isn't terrible for a rookie. But then two thousand twenty two, only six games played. Um, 15 catches on twenty eight targets, two touchdowns. So he just hasn't been he has just hasn't been on the field, and um. It's just it's it's been a little disappointing um, with him, and the organization is kind of telling you that they don't trust him. They bring in Odell, Odell Beckham Jr. on a one year deal, fifteen million dollars, uh, up to eighteen million dollars with its incentives, which by all accounts are pretty easy, easily attainable incentives. Uh, then they go out and draft Zay Flowers with pick number twenty two, 
And then obviously you still have Mark Andrews there. So at, at best, he's competing with Zay Flowers uh, for the um, third um, target in that, in that offense. And I think Zay Flowers is probably going to pass him sooner rather than later. I think his only chance um, to be relevant is potentially if he gets pushed into the slot. And in this Todd, in this new Todd Munkin offense, if he can bring that um, <clears throat> that Georgia um, that Georgia offensive success to Baltimore, may, maybe there's enough um, volume to go around. But I mean, obviously, historically speaking, that's not the case with the Baltimore Ravens. But obviously, it's a completely new regime on the offensive side of the ball. So um, hopefully, Bateman can. Um, resurrect his career this year, but clearly, when you're when the organization brings in um, a highly touted veteran uh, with a well with a lot of uh, history in OBJ and give him that kind of money, and then you you spend a first round pick on another receiver, it, it's not the uh, not the best sign for your future with the team. Obviously, things can change pretty quickly in the NFL. OBJ, who knows if he's going to be there. Uh, after this year so uh, maybe Bateman is healthy and maybe things turn around but definitely um, definitely uh, not um, great uh, after the NFL draft for Rashad Bateman yeah I'm in lockstep with you there on Bateman I also have some shares when I'm hanging on to too so I'm not feeling too great about those at the moment uh, if you have them uh, like we do and I think the move is just to hold on to them and if Maybe he has a big game early in the year when Zay Flowers isn't fully up to speed yet, or maybe Odell's out there too. You know, I think you your move is to try to move on from him in season after he has a spike week if if he does have one. But you know, usually going into year three, we want to see guys prime for success and walking into their best years in the NFL. And just what the Ravens have done to put other bodies in this wide receiver room, plus Andrews being back healthy, you know, I think that it's it's just not it's looking like it's going to be the complete opposite, and it's not going to go in the direction that we want uh, as Rashad Bateman truthers. But we'll see what happens. Maybe he maybe he gets uh, traded, like we've seen some other receivers after a couple of years get get moved to different situations, and his and his fortunes can change quickly. But I'm not very high on him either. Look, heading into 2023, but I do want to talk about another loser from the process here, and that's Donovan Peoples Jones of the Cleveland Browns. He actually had a nice little career year in 2022, catching 61 balls for 839 yards and three touchdowns. And there was actually some optimism uh, that a full off season with Deshaun Watson, that he'd, he'd be a breakout candidate heading into a contract year. But, you know, the team actually decided to add to the wide receiver room in a big way. They trade for Elijah Moore and then they draft Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee. I don't think Elijah Moore and DPJ's styles were necessarily meshed, but I think Tillman is more in a, a, built in a similar mold of a uh, DPJ and that they're big bodied outside contested catch receivers. Um, it kind of mirrors what DPJ does. You know, he's not a guy out there relying on separation or anything like that. Even if you look at the highlights of DPJ, you know, 90% of them are contested catch situations. Um, so I, I think that's a guy they can re- move on from relatively easily, bring Tillman along a little bit slowly perhaps, but eventually have him move into that role. And beyond, beyond that, obviously Amari Cooper is the alpha in this offense and you know, Schwartz and David and Joku are also hanging around too this season. So just kind of muddying the waters. And I'm personally very high on Deshaun Watson bounce back. I think he's going to make Amari Cooper very fantasy viable. I think good things for Elijah Moore and Joku. Um, and maybe Peoples Jones, if he can get on the field some, but you know, I don't, I think there's only going to be so many balls to go around and, and the team is still going to run the ball. With Nick Chubb, like they've come out and said that like they're, yeah, yeah they're still going to feed Nick Chubb the ball. And, if not out of necessity, because they don't have anyone else really behind them. But, you know, this team does want to run the football. They have one of the best pure runners of the football in the league in Chubb. So he's going to get his too. So I just don't know if there's enough going around here to support three fantasy viable pass catchers, as well as a tight end one for fantasy purposes. So that's why I'm out on, on, uh, 
on DPGA? Where do you come in on him? Yeah, DPJ. I mean, he's he's one of those athletic uh, freaks. Oh, um, your guy. Mich- yes, well, <laughs> out of Michigan. But um, he fell to the sixth round in the NFL draft, and obviously, um, he's he's proven to be worth obviously um, worth that draft draft pick and then some. But it it hurts him when the organization goes out and spends a third round pick on a similar profile receiver. So I do agree with you. It definitely muddies the water for DPJ. Um, there's obviously other options in the offense that are going to get more targets than him. Um, I think Najoku has a chance to be, uh, to have a pretty good year this year. Um, you, you mentioned obviously the Watson bounce back. I mean, Watson was terrible last year, um, by all accounts and Cooper was still, um, depending on the uh, scoring format right around a, a top 10 receiver. So Cooper still played relatively well, um, last year, even with Watson struggling. So I think with Watson, if he can take that step back to uh, and, and revert back to his old Texan days, I mean, Cooper, Cooper may have a career year and, um, you can have DPJ and, uh, Cedric Tillman battling out for, uh, that, that number two, uh, number two receiver. Um, so actually, well, number two slash three receiver, depending on what Elijah Moore can do, but, um, yeah, never a good sign when the organization, um, almost tries to replace you in the draft uh, in the, in the third round, but third round receivers aren't guaranteed to hit DP DPJ has shown the ability to be able to play in this league. So he'll, he'll, he'll have the opportunity to compete in camp and keep that role. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that offense. Um, You mentioned obviously Nick Chubb, uh, He's going to be toting the rock quite a bit this year, but we didn't mention this on the uh, the running back winners, but it made me think of Jerome Ford. It's kind of crazy. I mean, that depth chart, I believe Jerome Ford's the, the, the second in line right now. Um, so I'm assuming he's going to, he's going to get, get some touches this year, unless I don't, I don't see uh, Nick Chubb uh, getting uh, every single carry. So that's got, that's a little interesting, uh, sneaky, very, very, very cheap running back by yeah. uh, for some, for some insurance uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, for sure. I, that was we did it. We do a, every year. We run down every single division. We're going to be getting into that relatively soon here, and we do a, like a stash play in every division. And that was my guy last season when we covered the the AFC North. Was Jerome Ford was the guy that I was like, hey, Kareem Hunt's contracts up. You know, Nick Chubb. You never know what's going to happen with him. Like, just stash stash this Jerome Ford guy. And just and just see because it's one of those offenses where at least in the past that we saw like Dearness Johnson have a couple of good games when he was the guy. So all it takes is an opportunity. And that was a guy I was high on too. So we're going back to the running back position here, but that's a, a nice little bonus one to slip in there for sure. I'll yeah, just you touch know on I like talking running backs. Oh, I know. Yeah. You can't get enough <laughs> RB talk, but you no, know, it's a, it's a turn and burn position, but you gotta be, you gotta stay on top of it. So you're not getting left behind or, or maybe missing out a guy on, on the waivers. who can help you for sure. But let's just touch on Aaron's guys real quickly here. Uh, his winner, he had, of course, you know, this is so predictable that he brought up Gabe Davis as a, as a winner here. Um, you know, just a guy that, you know, you want pieces of the Buffalo Bills offense. Davis has had, you know, he scored seven touchdowns a couple couple different times. You know, if you can get cheap exposure to a high-scoring offense, I think it's a good enough call here. Uh, my my reper- my trepidation with with a guy like Gabe Davis is that they just, I know they drafted a tight end in round one, but – just giving his lack of ability, this, this is Dalton Kincaid we're, we're talking about here, you know, his uh, lack of ability as a pure blocker is going to limit him to a pass, you know, a pass catching role, which I think they're going to use him as sort of a hybrid wide receiver, which I could, I think could eat into some of Davis's, uh, his touchdowns this year. But, you know, if you want to take a bet on the Buffalo offense, like you could do a lot worse than that. 
And, uh, you know, he had Hopkins as a loser, DeAndre Hopkins, really just kind of worried about the Kyler Murray situation if he's not ready to start the season. And, you know, obviously they have Hollywood Brown coming back from an injury there too. We never really saw Hopkins and Hollywood on the field at the same time a season ago because they were both dealing with either a suspension in Hopkins' case or an injury in Hollywood Brown's case. And you'll have Zach Ertz back in that mix too alongside Rondell Moore and uh, the rookie they just drafted. And, uh, and Michael Wilson. So those are his two guys. Any quick thoughts on those two before we move on to tight end? Uh, just quickly, uh, I do, I do, I can see Gabe Davis as a winner and kind of a loser. Um, he's technically, I guess, a winner because they didn't really address the receiver position. But as you said, Don Kincaid is 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 a receiver. Let's not let's not fool ourselves. Uh, he he's not he he was not drafted at the twenty fifth overall pick to block. So I think. Uh, Gabe Davis is going to be pushed further down the pecking order and I am not a uh, Gabe Davis guy anyways. So um, I would, uh, I would try to move him as fast as possible to uh, any Gabe Davis truthers. Uh, if Aaron, uh, uh, if, is Aaron, if Aaron is in your league, I, I would, uh, I would look to him first. <laughs> oh God. You sell, you get, don't, don't even hit the trade block button. Just find Aaron's team and send him an offer. Hey, exactly. Um, and, and DeAndre Hopkins, it's, it's almost, uh, things didn't really change much in my opinion. I mean, we all, we all kind of knew Kyler Murray was, was, um, was not going to be ready for the start of the season. Um, they didn't really add anybody of significance in the draft except, uh, actually did Mike Wilson go there to, uh, Arizona? Yeah. He was a surprise. I want to say third round pick to, uh, yeah. So, so he, he was, the, yeah, he was the, really the only, um, only add so I mean, but at the end of the day, whoever's playing quarterback, Hopkins is going to be the, the target leader, um, and and Marquise Brown is going to like we'll see how they're going to um how how they're both going to perform with with uh, um, both of them playing on the field at the same time as you as you alluded to they they were both kind of injured at at uh, separate times, but um no that that organization it just seems like it's a, it's a mess over there so. It's. I was surprised DeAndre Hopkins stayed there. Um, I would have liked to see him go, move on to a, a contender, but hey, he's he stayed loyal to Arizona, and I hope it works out for him. Yeah, I mean, he's. I don't really like to buy thirty-plus-year-old receivers in dynasty uh, specifically, but if you can tell me he's cheap enough, I might actually want to take a shot on him. I know he he played essentially three games with Colt McCoy. Kyler went down on the first drive of a. Uh, of the game against the Patriots, we were at, we we actually flew out to go see that one. And, uh, <laughs> if, if we if you blinked or went to go get a beer or something, you missed Kyler Murray on the field, unfortunately, due to that. Oh, that and we were that, getting beers. <laughs> we were definitely getting beers. There, there, the beer was flowing for sure. Um, so that was pretty brutal though for Kyler. But I mean, Hopkins had his tar- his three games without uh, with with Colt McCoy in there. He had thirty two total targets and double digits in all three games. So. McCoy will they will force feed him the ball at least the previous regime did that's kind of not getting talked about either the regime change there so we'll see we'll see on Hopkins you know if I he's not he's someone I'm probably gonna stay away from but if we if we're get talking like late second round pick for him maybe I get a shot we'll see but probably gonna be a guy I, I just stick a stay away from in, in redraft and uh in, in dynasty in all likelihood but let's let's go back to some guys that we want to get shares of at the tight end position we're going to go to uh, to some winners there. I'll just throw my my winner out here first, and that's going to be Irv Smith, who, as you know, has been a personal favorite of mine since he was drafted. Big Irv Smith, Smith truther. <laughs> I've been I've been the original Irv Smith truther in the circles that we run in in the community, um, and I continue to be. I I will say I don't I'm not overly convinced. I'm not, you know happier I should say with his production thus far, 
but you know, he hasn't, cause he hasn't really done much. You know, he missed all of 2021 with an injury and he's missed 28 games total in his four year career. So you said it earlier, the best availability, uh, the best ability is availability. And he has not been very available to start his NFL career, but he's going to have to, he's going to have to change that around heading over to Cincinnati, who has obviously playoff aspirations and hopefully trying to trying to bring down a spring ring home a Super Bowl. So he joins their high powered offense and, you know, the Bengals, they were linked to a tight, the tight end position and, and what was considered to be a deep class at tight end. And they didn't select anybody, which was kind of one of the big surprises of the, of the draft weekend that they came away with nobody. It really just leaves Irv, uh, who's on a one-year deal there with only Drew Sample and Devin Asiasi on the roster. And as we know about those guys, they're both kind of just jag NFL tight ends who were just kind of kind of hanging around, probably used more so in blocking roles than anything else. Um, so it's a big opportunity for Irv with Joe Burrow entering the prime of his career. The guy's always a threat to go throw for 40-plus touchdowns. So if he ever has one of those massive spike years, maybe Irv Smith can be a guy who can be a big benefactor of that, particularly in the red zone. With so much attention being paid to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, even Tyler Boyd in the slot drawing some coverage away too. I don't think Irv's ever going to be a go nuts and be like a top three tight end or anything. But if you told me that he finishes as a tight end one this season, that wouldn't shock me at all. And he's a guy that you could probably get relatively cheap because he hasn't done anything to date and doesn't take very much for tight ends to uh, have that viability. So that's what I got on my, on my boy, Herb Smith. Do you want to, you want to go along on this ride with me here, run Herb, or you want to go the other direction? No, I, I do. And I don't have much more to add, but uh, it, I think I was the, the Cincinnati Bengals not drafting a tight end with this draft with this draft class and the pedigree of this draft class was arguably one of the more shocking things um, coming out of the NFL draft. I mean, Irv Smith, as you put, not the definition of health. And for the Cincinnati Bengals to basically be like, yep, we're okay with Irv Smith, Drew Sample, and Devin Asiasi. Um, I don't know. To me, they're telling us that they're they're pretty high on Irv Smith. So I think it's wheels up. And if he can't do it this year, he'll never do it. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I like to give tight ends a nice long runway because it takes some time to learn the position. But, you know, like I said, Irvish drafted in 2019. This is his fifth season in the NFL. Like, dude, you got to start figuring it out here. And uh, um, if, if he can't do it with Joe Burrow and he can't stay on the field, it's not going to happen for him. Completely agree on that. But who do you have for a winner at the tight end group? My winner is uh, Chico Conquo. Um, similar to the Tennessee Titans, um, the – I mean, sorry, similar to the Cincinnati Bengals, the uh, Tennessee Titans didn't really address the position um, in the first in, uh, in the first two days of the NFL draft. And they, they did address it in the uh, fifth round where they drafted Josh Weil, tight end of, out of Cincinnati, who I've who I just heard of in uh, the uh, prep for this show. <laughs> so clearly with this draft class being um, the, the tight end draft class being so highly touted. Um, they didn't, they didn't, uh, draft any of the, uh, premier names coming out of, uh, college this year and, and this year's NFL draft. So I think he's a big winner just for the simple fact, there's just not a lot of competition for targets. I mean, we're talking about Burks, Westbrook, uh, Westbrook, Keenan, uh, Kyle Phillips, Chris Moore. Um, and then you have obviously, uh, Chig Conquo and you have Derrick Henry in the running game. So I think Chig is going to get, um, more, uh, as many targets as he can handle in this offense. Um, and is the reason why I think he is a, he's a big winner. He showed some promise last year. He's a six, two and a half, 240 pounds who runs a four or five. So he he's athletic. He can make plays in receiving game. And the Tennessee Titans didn't do much to address the position. So I think it's wheels up for Chig. 
I'm in on Chig too this year in, in a big way. And, I, and he obviously burst onto the seat in the middle of, of the year a season ago. And if there's still any type of discount to be bought on him, I would certainly do it. Just for the reasons you mentioned, there's not just not much there to stand in his way of, of a ton of receiving volume this year, um, especially if the team falls behind in, in some games, which is possible. You never know. So uh, that's enough optimism, I think, for uh, for for now. Let's go to the loser group. I know you have a couple of guys that you want to mention. So give me your first loser at tight end. Yeah, my first loser at tight end, just real quick, is Austin Hooper. I know he's he's kind of been a loser the last couple of years in, in, in fantasy circles, but I mean, Hooper did finish as a top uh, as the number six tight end um, in back to back years, um, uh, only only a, a few years ago. Um, so he he has he has finished as a top ten top ten tight end, but um, so I was intrigued on his landing spot uh, with the Raiders in a Josh McDaniels offense. Um, obviously with Josh McDaniels, uh, his offense, um, usually produces a pretty fantasy viable tight end. So I was, I was just excited, um, to see what Austin Hooper could do there, but then they turn around and draft Michael Mayer in the second round and, and basically nuke, um, any chances of Hooper becoming anything, um, on the Raiders besides a blocker. So just, uh, I just wanted to kind of mention Hooper real quick, just because I, I thought the Vegas landing spot, um, was, it was intriguing obviously until he was nuked in the NFL draft. Um, any quick comments on Hooper, uh, Kamish? Uh, not too much. I mean, I may or may or killed him. Like, like you said, and there's just so many guys there already that are going to catch the ball. Obviously Devontae Adams is a massive target hog. Yeah, they signed Jacoby Myers to, to get some short area targets, which always negatively impacts the tight end. And they have Hunter Renfro in there as well. So plus Josh Jacobs can catch the ball out of the backfield too. So it all kind of lines up against Hooper, who is, feels like forever ago was that a fancy rele- relevant piece. And it really just, he went to Cleveland and wasted away and then wasn't any good for the Titans last season. I think it's going to be more of the same where he's probably a good NFL player and is make, make some plays in the blocking game and maybe picks up a key first down or something for the Raiders offense. It keeps them moving, but not someone that you want to monitor for, uh, for fantasy purposes. So that's where I'm at on him. I'll jump to my uh, loser. I know you got two tight end losers you want to bring up, but I'll, I'll, I'll toss my guy in here. And this one is tough for me because I do like this player. And I like what he did a lot last season. And that's, that's Evan Ingram sticking around on, in the, with Jacksonville on the franchise tag for one more season. Um, it's really, this is more so a commentary on him not replicating his tight end six finish in half PPR formats from a season ago. He's still someone who's, who is going to be a piece of a high scoring offense, which I like, but the team welcomed Calvin Ridley into the fold coming back from his, his gambling suspension. Um, and with the last time we saw him play a full season, he saw 143 targets. And even if he doesn't get that many this time around with in his first season in a new situation in Jacksonville coming off the suspension, he's going to get his share of the pie for sure. And they also have Christian Kirk, who was top 15 in the league in targets a season ago. And Zay Jones sneakily saw 121 targets last season too, which kind of blew me away when I was uh, prepping for the show that he was that uh, that involved. I think it, he Ingram could eat into some of those targets from Zay Jones, particularly with Ridley coming in too. But uh, you know he's not going away completely. He is under contract there. So a lot of mouths to feed. And obviously ETN is, a, is a, always a threat to catch the ball out of the backfield as well, which could take away from, from Ingram. Uh, ETN walking into really his his second season after he missed his rookie year with an injury. So uh, the team also drafted Bretton Strange in the second round, which is a little bit of a surprise, but it's a, it's a big investment. And Doug Peterson is kind of the tight end whisperer, obviously helping develop guys like Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard from, from his time in Philadelphia. Then obviously you know, he really kind of resurrected Evan Ingram's career a season ago. So if he has an eye on a guy, 
that he likes at tight end and wants to use significant draft capital on him. I think that's noteworthy. Um, and so I just see all of this kind of lining up to take some of the steam away from Evan Ingram. I would probably rank him more closer to the back end of the top 12 of the tight end position this year, rather than the middle, which will probably be drafted as once, once certainly once the redraft season comes around and it might be a good time to get out on him in dynasty. If you can sell high. Yeah. Not much more to add on uh, Evan Ingram. Um, he, it was his first time becoming a top 10 uh, fantasy tight end since his rookie year in 2017. So it was nice to see a little resurgence from Evan Ingram. Um, I believe uh, you may have mentioned this, but I, he, he, he is on the, uh, is he on the franchise tag? He is. Yep. Yeah. So um, I don't think obviously the, the second round pick with strange, I, uh, I don't see uh, Evan Ingram being in Jacksonville after this year. Um so, but I do think they're going to, they're going to utilize him. I don't, Strange, I think is going to be groomed to take over in 2024. Um, so I do think Evan Ingram is going to uh, have a, a decent year, but as you said, probably more so the back end of uh, um, tight end one um, territory, but um, bringing Calvin Ridley, I, I do think does hurt him. He had 98 targets last year and 73 receptions. So he was, he was pretty efficient um, and he averaged, 10 and a half yards, yards of catch. So um, he obviously had a great year, but I don't see him repeating that. Um, hopefully he has a decent year this year and he can move on to a pretty, uh, um, to a good fantasy situation in 2024. But um, I do agree with you with the, with the um, added bodies in Jacksonville and, and the uh, addition of strange. I, I do think he can be viewed as a loser. Yeah, we'll we'll see where it, it pans out beyond this season. Obviously, Strange is going to be likely going to be the guy for the long run. So, if you want to take a, a cheap shot on him, I, I think that would be or a cheap investment on him. Kind of put him on your dynasty roster, maybe stash him in a taxi squad to have him be the future there. He might be a sneaky like buy low guy right now. That even in rookie drafts, we've been in some rookie drafts, some tight end premium drafts where he's not even getting drafted or he's go, going really late in the third round. So, he's a name to monitor too. Uh, hopefully for Evan Ingram, he can get out of there and uh, he can land somewhere else where he can catch some balls and, and have another great fantasy season for, for the next couple of years. But you got one more loser, loser to mention at the tight end group. Uh, you couldn't help yourself. You, you had to be real, uh, real, real negative. So let me, let me hear your second guy you have here. Yes. I'm sure everyone's going to love hearing this name, but Kyle Pitts was my second loser. And this is more so of a 2023, 24 um, issue here. Um, Pitts is on a an offense that likes to run the ball. They ran on 55.3% of plays last year, and they led the league in rushing attempts with 559. And what did they do with their number eight overall pick? They drafted B. John Robinson. So I don't think those rush attempts are going to decrease. Um, so I just don't see – I don't see Pitts becoming – this year anyways what everybody wants wants him to be considering that it's probably going to be a low passing volume offense Desmond Ritter is at the helm so who knows what we're going to get from him so it's another kind of wasted year of, of pits in the offense with a with a with a quarterback that's probably not the long-term answer unless um obviously unless he proves everyone wrong so what are they going to do they're either going to bring in a veteran next year or, or draft a rookie so now you're going to make, potentially deal with another rookie quarterback next year but 
you also have Drake London, who was a top 10 NFL draft pick. So who's going to be the alpha in that offense? Is it going to be Pitts? Is it going to be London? Uh, I'm not really sure. So it's like you have two top 10 NFL draft picks um, in Pitts and London. And then you have another top NFL draft pick, B. John Robinson. And it just seems like all they want to do is run the ball. So I know Pitts actually had a pretty decent rookie year. And if he did catch more than I believe one touchdown, he would have been like a top six tight end that year. So, I mean, he had flashes as a rookie, but last year was just, just such a huge, huge, huge disappointment. Um, fantasy gamers are drafting him high early in drafts. Um, just, obviously just because of the tantalizing upside that he possesses. But in, in 10 games played last year, he only had two double-digit games. Um, and of those two double-digit games, it was 11 points and 16 points, only only eclipsing like 12 once. So it, it, it's just – it was a very unfortunate year for him last year. And with everything the Atlanta Falcons did this year in the NFL draft, I don't see that changing. Um, do you agree, Kamish? I do, and I, I I talk about buying the dip a lot on the show, and you know I, I say like oh this is the time where you want to buy low on a guy or you know things like that, but I don't think I don't even think we're at the lowest point yet for Kyle Pitts. I I would if you're looking to buy him, he's probably still expensive because he had the thousand yard season as a rookie, and if a manager holding Pitts right now probably paid a lot to get him, and they're like well he was hurt last year, so I want to give him a full opportunity, you know, to kind of see if he's worth the investment this season. But I think that if he gets off to a slow start again this year, that might be the time for you to strike where if a manager is has back-to-back season where this guy's not really helping them, you know, even though he does have a skill set to be fantasy viable, we saw him have that thousand yard season, but you know, fantasy managers can be really fickle. They can, even in dynasty, they can say like, okay, like this isn't it. I got to get out. I got to get something for him so I can recoup value. That's going to be the time I think to kick the tires on a guy like a Kyle Pitts, maybe come like early to mid October if the uh, if the fantasy numbers aren't popping off the page, which I don't think they're going to be in this Atlanta Falcons offense this year. And we'll just touch on Aaron Brown's loser at the tight end position quickly here. Uh, he went to the New York Giants and, and brought up Daniel Bellinger. Pretty obvious. They, uh, Darren Waller gets traded there, who has shown he can be you know a really, really, really fantasy viable tight end. I want to say he had two top three tight end finishes in back-to-back years a couple of years ago before injuries started piling up for him. So he's, he's out on Bellinger, and I would agree on that because uh, of the reason of that reason. You know, Waller's in town now, but also like Bellinger. I know he was a rookie last year, but he, he kind of had that whole tight end room to himself, and there were really no receivers there last year to to take run away from him, and he still wasn't fantasy viable. So he had opportunity, didn't do a ton with it. I know he was a rookie, but we'll uh, we'll monitor that situation. I guess if you have Daniel Bellinger, I guess you're kind of holding and hoping, but. He's someone I wouldn't even really mind getting rid of, getting off my roster and and kind of taking a shot at a free agent rookie this this time around. Any quick, quick, quick thoughts on uh, Mr. Bellinger? Not really. I think you covered pretty much everything that needed to be said. Um, Waller essentially makes him irrelevant. And when, Wall, when Waller's gone, I don't think Bellinger did enough to um, make the Giants trust him long-term. So there's a reason why they went out and got Waller. Um I mean, as you said, Bellinger didn't have a ton of competition, but he was a rookie tight end, so you, you your expectations can can only be so high. But yeah, not much more to add with uh, with Bellinger there. Gotcha. Yeah, so that's uh, that's gonna wrap up our segment here tonight. More of a quick hitting podcast on this episode, which is a lot of fun to buzz through. A handful of guys that are winners and losers following the draft. Uh, at some point in the near future, here we're gonna get into our divisional coverage. Not sure if we're gonna start that next week. 
maybe the following week, but it's coming up really soon. We'll we'll buzz through all eight divisions and we'll kind of talk about so, uh, the studs that we like, some some uh, busts that we want you to avoid in drafts, and some sleeper candidates too, like my Jerome Ford callout from a year ago. So it really can't help you in Dynasty to be paying attention, uh, even in the offseason at this time of year. And I'm also working on a, a write-up for our blog where I kind of go into some deeper sleepers. Like, you know, Every guy that we've mentioned in the last two weeks is someone who has been on the fantasy radar at some point, guys that you know who have been successful in the past. This write-up is going to be more of a deeper dive on, on some – Younger guys, for the most part, that haven't popped yet, that kind of got through the draft unscathed. Like going in, their their status on their teams may have been a little bit up in the air, but they got some uh, some good news there um, from their team not hammering their their position specifically, or also extending to free agency as well. So some a deeper dive coming on that. So stay tuned. You can check that out on SundaySurefire.com slash blog. But until next time, folks, peace.